Welcome to Socially Good Talk. So this is an opportunity where we meet incredible specialists in their field of expertise, willing to share their thoughts, feelings and experiences with the socially good community. I'm John Gilbert from Eskimo Soup, and I'm delighted to share with you this discussion with Dr. Catherine Scott, who is the Chief Executive of Yorkshire Cancer Research. Catherine talks about the attitudes to cancer, the importance of lifestyle, early screening, and what it is like to be the CEO of a wholly independent charity, where it is crucial to value the amazing contribution of the Yorkshire Cancer Research team and its supporters. So on that note, whilst all of our socially good talks are free, um, if you enjoyed this discussion and you are in a position to do so, please do consider making a donation to Yorkshire Cancer Research via their website. Um, as for the talk, to kick things off, I asked Catherine, how are we doing when it comes to cancer? Key thing for the charity to address because we see it done better elsewhere in England, but also we look around the world to see who else is doing it really well. And we want to change it. That's the simple aim of the charity is to stop Yorkshire doing badly in cancer. Don't get me wrong, we've made leaps and bounds over the last century in cancer research, but here in Yorkshire, for the people that the charity is there for, we could do it better. And we are seeing improvements, don't get me wrong, we're three years into our strategy and we are absolutely um, making big strides. I guess when it comes to these, these strides, I mean, there's, to, to me, um, when I hear cancer research, I suppose before it was an area that I started to do some work in, I imagined people in lab coats, doing work, uh, doing the research, the kind of more advanced stuff to what I'd done in, in a science lesson at school. But of course, there's a lot more to it than that. It's not just about the, the science and technology to it. There's systems, there's behaviour, there's, there's attitudes. So as an organisation, does Yorkshire Cancer Research cover a breadth of these things? To be honest, we're much more around patient-centred research now because that's where the rubber hits the road. If you can work at that end of the spectrum, you see a lot more success because a lot of early phase uh, research in the laboratory doesn't go anywhere, but that, everybody knows that. That's not a surprise. What we're doing is taking the best of that stuff that's already come through those phases. And we're implementing it or we're getting it tested on, on people because you can't just bring in a new treatment or a new drug. You've got to go through clinical trials appropriately constructed so that you know that they're legit, that they're legal, ethical, safe, and they work. So you've got to go through all of these different stages where you're effectively running trials to prove that something works before you roll it out as a, as a permanent and fixed service. And that is totally the right approach because otherwise you'd have all sorts of um, treatments and therapies that aren't going to do what you want them to do. Okay, and you mentioned that there there is some way for us to go. We can make improvements within the, the Yorkshire area. Um, are we able to hone in on some of these things? And how much of this is about the systems that we operate in? How much is this is about misconceptions? How much is this about, I suppose, our, um, our relationships with a long-term health condition? There are three main parts of that question. It's quite a big question. We need to reduce risk of cancer and that really is in our county certainly around smoking cessation so we need to reduce risk of cancers 
We need to get cancers diagnosed early. And this is a really important point because I think the man or woman on the street doesn't truly believe that if you can diagnose a cancer early, you've, you've got a phenomenally greater chance of success. In fact, you've got a chance of the uh, much, much better chance of the treatments being milder and less, um, less long term. And you've also got much, much higher rates of success in terms of survival. So early diagnosis is an absolute winner for the vast majority, not every single cancer, but the vast majority of cancers. So we, and we also want to improve treatments as well. We see these happening elsewhere in the world and want to bring them here and get them either tested in the NHS, which is involved in clinical trials, or in some instances when we've seen great things working elsewhere, bring it here. Let's just bring it here. It's been tested. It works on human beings. So let's get that operating as quickly as possible. So I understand a, you've had an opportunity to do that um, for the work at Yorkshire Cancer Research. We have, and it's a, it's a great success story. So scouring the world, when we decided to do this big overhaul of what the charity does and how it should achieve impact for the people who donate to us, we looked all around the world and we found this amazing uh, study. It came out of the US where early diagnosis for lung cancer we know it's, it's a winner. We know it gives you much, much higher rates of success in terms of survival, and it's easier to treat. So in the US, they were doing um, mobile CT scanners, sending them out into populations that had high risks, usually smoking risks, or ex-smokers. And there's a lot of people who forget that it's not just current smokers, but it's ex-smokers who carry that risk as well. So out in the US, they were taking current and ex-smokers and they were driving a CT scanner to a local supermarket and they were inviting people in. And they saw this amazing reduction um, in, in death from lung cancer. So we thought, well, that looks like a great idea. Why can't we do that here? And there was a lot of resistance for it at first, a lot of resistance because it's expensive. So, so as a charity, we thought, well, Let's raise some funds for this then. So we did. And then we've built a team of experts and they're centered in Leeds, but they actually, we've drawn from experts from all over the UK. And it's grown to be this amazing thing. And in, in November, 2017, we cut the ribbon on it and we were at the White Rose car park in Leeds. So in a shopping complex car park, and we opened our first mobile CT scanner and it's, it's two and a half years in now of operation and it's going great guns. We've identified over a hundred early lung cancers and around 20 yeah. other cancers. We didn't expect to spot other cancers too, but these, these people feel well. These, these people are, are well in and of themselves, but there's something lurking and finding it whilst it's lurking and you're not ill gives you a fantastic success chance. Mm -hmm. So we are delighted that, that we did that. And we're continuing to do more of that kind of thing. Mm. It strikes me that's quite entrepreneurial in, in the approach that you've taken there, which is not always synonymous with the work of charities. At the time, um, I have to say, when you were, you know, for the first couple of years, when you're asking people, will you get involved? Will you... And, Loads of people saying, no, it's too expensive. You'll never get this right. off the ground. It's too difficult. You've got to pull too many pieces together. And as with many things in life, perseverance and also finding the right team around you was absolutely key. So 
So mm. we were we were delighted that we we got it off the ground. Something you said earlier on really struck me. You said that people still seem to, sh to struggle to accept the value of early detection of cancer and that actually that will really change the, the chances of, of survival. So, I mean, as you know, through Eskimo Soup, we've done some work that was funded by Yorkshire Cancer Research around lung cancer detection. When you look in particular at lung cancer, when you look at the, the different stages of cancer, when you look at the, the very frightening graph of, of the mortality rate, which, I mean, lung cancer is a very serious one anyway, um, even if you do catch it at the point, but, but that's pretty consistent against most forms of cancers, I understand it. When you say people don't really understand or believe that, what kind of barriers have you identified? Why? Is, what's behind that? I think there's quite a common perception that certainly lung cancer, if you think of, of all cancers, the one that people assume doesn't have a good outcome is generally lung cancer. And that's not true. That is absolutely not true. And, the, and so again... So when I've, just, we looking, I've just added to that misconception there, haven't I, in my question? Thank you for putting me right. <laughs> no, no, because it's important to have these conversations because that's how you can explain to people. You know, that's how you can give that information to help it get out there into the public domain. And another reason why getting the mobile CT scanner clinical trial up and running was um, difficult probably was we, we were having to win over a lot of hearts and minds and people who thought it might not be worth it and that it would be an incremental change. And it, and it really isn't. It really isn't. In fact, we're, and we're doing it in this way because we want to persuade the central government to adopt this as a national screening program. And, and we think we're seeing green shoots there. We, we are starting to see they're running a few of the pilots in a few of the places. But going back to your point, it's a really interesting message isn't it because for many many years and generations people have thought that a diagnosis of lung cancer would be a death sentence and it is not if you can catch it early your chances of success i think it's something like one year survival is 75 percent if you get it early so you've got a lot of people who are surviving and i think that's re a really key message is that early diagnosis even for lung cancer is phenomenally better for your outcomes. Mm. I mean, and saying that's true through the delivery of that project, I had the, the privilege really to interview and work with lung cancer survivors and their message is so consistent that um, don't just think it's nothing. If you have any of these signs and symptoms, there's been so much work done around raising awareness around uh, the three-week cough, it's uh, short, uh, being short of breath, various other sciences around there. That's, that's number one, that's knowledge. But then behaviour, then to actually then go forward and do it as people, the, the feedback that we've got from working is we'll put up our own barriers. And some of these are very legitimate barriers around, well, it's difficult to get an appointment in my GP. You say they want to see me, but how do I get an appointment? Um, but behind all of this, having done research in this, this area myself, it's fear it's fear of the, the the bad news it's that until i get any kind of diagnosis i'm fine and as you say i feel fine therefore i am fine and and it's it's a little bit of a harsh way to put it to say that sometimes we have our, have our heads in the sand but i suppose we do and and i think it is about 
the social norm to actually go and to get those things checked out, seeing the true value of it, then there's no stigma around that. You're not being a bother. What you're doing is what we, the collective, we are asking you to do. You're doing the right thing. This is the, there's another element to this as well. So there's a number of barriers as to why people don't present when they notice something different. And people know their own bodies the best. Of course they do. And they might notice something and, and what stops them going for help? Well, actually, one of the things is they don't want to bother the doctor. Seriously, that is one of the reasons why they don't want to be a bother and they don't want to go, and especially in a pandemic, more on that possibly later. They don't want to um, use any of the NHS resource. And, and that is something we do need to work on because presenting early is cheaper, faster and less hard work for the NHS. So, you know, it's a bit like do it for many reasons, but also do it for the NHS, because if we can catch these cancers early, it's cheaper to deal with. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. OK, so this is the challenge in and around. Um, I mean, it's a vast area, of course, is, 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 is cancer. It's, it's something that um, as a society we always we have to live with. Um, your work is focused in the work around Yorkshire, where we do have particular inequalities and particular challenges. But with that, there is a challenge of, of, of running, running the charity. So what's, what's a working week like for, for you as the CEO of Yorkshire Cancer Research? And what are the main challenges that the organisation faces on, a, I suppose, on an ongoing basis? Um, I love my job. You've got, I've got to say that first. I love my job. I do <laughs> different things every day. And, and it's fab. And I love talking to volunteers and patients and patient reps. And I love, um, you know, doing, doing the business of the charity. So looking after the people that work for the charity, keeping an eye on all the numbers, you know, wringing your hands when your income generation hasn't worked quite as well as you wanted it to. And in the pandemic, that's been particularly important. And then those mixed emotions when you get a legacy left to you, which is oh, what an amazing gift. And at the same time, somebody has passed away. So there's all of these elements of, of doing the job, um, which are challenging and interesting. And when the clock stops, you just start being a volunteer then, you know. So I love going into our shops and doing a, a shift in one of our shops. We've got one in Knaresborough and one in North Allerton and one in Tadcaster. And going and doing a shift in one of those just to talk to people, find out why they want to support the charity, tell them a bit about some of the things that we're doing. You know, it, it's just it's the best job ever and it's it's not it's more than a job it's a vocation and a hobby as well no oh, that's that's really reassuring to hear and the other thing that strikes me every time i encounter somebody who works in your organization is that they always talk about the the people that, that do make the donations um, because we can't exist without them and it's it's a real um, recognition just that's how fundamental they are to everything and it can't exist exist without them so you mentioned there about people leaving legacies is is that a sick um, and, and i take absolutely take the point that there's obviously a sadness attached to that but is, is that a, a key part of the fundraising for the charity or is it a blend of activities i assume it is so we get a whole different range of reasons why people give to us and, and legacies are a significant portion and they do allow us to fund a lot of the great research that we do but outside that, we have we have some really brilliant supporters uh, as well who are very innovative 
and it will be anything from getting in a bath of cold beans, <laughs> cycling the length of the UK in their bedroom during lockdown, you know, all sorts of different reasons why people want to do challenges. And, and, and then sometimes you will just get a letter sent to you that's handwritten that'll have a check for a tenner in it. And they'll say, I thought I saw the CT scanner or I saw this and I thought that you were doing a good job. You know, people give for many and varied different reasons. And whether it's taking part in an event or running or cycling or whatever, or jumping out of airplanes, which as somebody who's afraid of heights, it just fills me with, you know, the utter awe for these people who can do that. Um, you know, many and varied reasons why they give to us, but they are the reason why the charity exists because we don't get government money. We get money from people, mostly Yorkshire people or what I call expats. So people who were born in Yorkshire, but might live in a different County. Um, sometimes they live in Spain or France, but they, you know, they're passionate about their county and there's a real Yorkshire pride in there. So we are, as I often say, by the people of Yorkshire, for the people of Yorkshire. It's a real, uh, it's a joy. And as a true Yorkshire woman myself, born and bred in Bradford, I think our county can really, really do what we've set out to do and pull ourselves up in the league table of, of regions and be a fantastic place where cancer outcomes are, are really, really good. Okay. And because we are on a journey um, to, to achieve that, but you've, but there have been wins along the way. Um, how does it feel then for, um, I, I don't, I never wish to put words into people's mouths, but in a chief executive role, there are pressures from all different angles. And, um, and it's not for me to say that there'll be, there may be low points along along the way, um, and, and obviously that you could speak your own mind on that. But there, surely there are also wins. And what does it feel like when when you get a win? Two parts. Let's start. Let's start with the the low port parts first. Because well, that was the bit I gave you the option on. <laughs> it's, it is important that you know if we do a campaign that upsets even a single person by telling, even though we're telling truths utter truth if it upsets somebody I take it really personally because I don't want to upset anybody but I want them to know the truth at the same time and and I have to say on nearly every single occasion I, I ring people if somebody complains I'll, I've rung them up afterwards and said you know thank you for talking to us about this I, I want to know more and a discourse back and forth and when I tell them how how it's true what we're saying we're not trying to scaremonger or do something dramatic and, and try and create a falseness about it. We're just telling the truth. I've won them over. I, I, you know, they've come around, they've, they've realized that whilst it did hit home hard for them, the message that they heard, that when I explained the background and the data and the research behind it, they, they buy into it. So those, so those are low points that turn into high points. Um, and then the high points, I think this, it's a bit, I don't know what it is. Is it being a bit Yorkshire? You sort of hit your high points. You might hit a target, whether that's a fundraising target or your hundredth cancer diagnosed, or you know your thousandth client, uh, uh, patient recruited into a clinical trial, or you get an, whatever win you get. You live on it for about three minutes, and then you're on to the next <laughs> thing. You're like, well done, everybody, and then on to the next thing. Whereas I think the the lows bother me for a lot longer, um, and and so maybe I don't know. Is that being Yorkshire, possibly? Well, I think it's being human, isn't isn't it? And um, 
I will, we are unfortunately pre-programmed that way. I could empathise with that. I had a, a productive day yesterday. Um, we did some work that I know helped people. And then I dropped the ball on one thing. Um, and that's the thing I'm thinking about. And it's like, that was, and, and, and everybody's fine. Nobody's mad at me apart from me. And it's just like, that, that's just, that, that's just the way we uh, hold ourselves to uh, high standards sometimes. In our organisation, in Yorkshire Cancer Research, I have absolutely been one of the most important things when I became chief exec, because I was there before as a director of research. One of the most important things is we are a test and learn organisation and we do not get it right every time, everybody. And if we're going to try new things, we are going to fall over and graze our knees sometimes. And, our, and everybody in the organisation knows that that's okay. You know, that is okay. We will learn from our mistakes. We'll try really hard not to make them. But as you say, human beings, you know, these are human beings, not robots. And we all make mistakes now and again. And if you've got the right structure behind you, you don't make massive mistakes because you've got control nets in there. But also, if you do make mistakes, learn from them because they're a, they're a learning opportunity. And I think that's something I brought from my lab days years ago when you could spend months getting no results. You'd be plowing away, trying to tweak things a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then one day it works and boom, you're off onto the next thing. So I think that resilience about letting testing and learning and making making it okay for people to fail safely um, is a really important part of our organization. And it's probably allowed us to do some big innovative things. Mm. And certainly you are doing innovative things as, as, as somebody looking in that, and it's across a, a, a range of, of, of programs. Have you got, is there anything new that's, that's coming up that's, that's worth making people aware about? So that is a brilliant question because we, uh, again, scouring the world, looking for best practice out there, because we did it with the CT scanner. Yes, okay, we've got mobile scanners out there and doing, doing all the good things, and it's generating the data, and one day, fingers crossed, it'll become a national screening program. The next thing, you're always looking for the next thing. So for a couple of years now, we've been looking at exercise after the diagnosis of cancer. So people look at you when you say, do exercise after diagnosis. They look at you as if you are bonkers. For a number of reasons. Historically, everybody was encouraged to sort of sit down, drink tea, eat cake, and take it really easy, as if cancer was some kind of dandelion clock that if you blew on it or moved it, it would do something worse. But actually, the research shows, you know, really clearly now that you can prevent recurrence of cancer by being active. And I don't mean marathon running because at some body, each individual person's definition of active is different. But when you're talking about you can reduce recurrence rates in bowel cancer by about 40% or in breast cancer by 40%, you're looking at some really big numbers there. So we are starting to look at, we've got a few small pilots going on already, but we're starting to really ramp up this activity. And again, we have to win over hearts and minds. Because people who've got a diagnosis of cancer do not automatically think I should go and exercise. Nobody knows exactly yet why it works, but these are some options as to why it probably works. It boosts the immune system because your immune system's amazing at watching, surveying all the time for cancer. And it's coming and going in as all the time, actually, but your immune system's zapping it. 
So exercise get linked to your immune system, your circulation, your mental well-being as well, your hormone balances in there. And we know being overweight and obesity is linked to increasing um, prevalence of some cancers. So all of these things tell us that exercise is, you know, it, somebody said to me the other week, if it was a drug, it would be prescribed. Well, we're actually trying to fund trials and studies to make it become almost a prescription for exercise. And you also make it fun because you then bring people together who are all going through the same or similar life experiences. And some of them, are, I mean, I'm being really honest with you, people, because I've had this in my own family, they think they can't trust their bodies anymore. But if you're in a room full of people who've had either bladder surgery or bowel surgery, you're all not trusting your bodies together. And there's kind of a, a, a group um, sort of support that, that leaps out when you do these things as a group of people affected by the same or similar types of conditions. So you get that peer-to-peer -peer support. So exercise after diagnosis of cancer, coming soon everywhere if I had my way. Oh, well, that sounds, yeah. And, and just listening to you there, there's, there's certain moments where I've just gone, well, yeah, of course, but it's not something that I hear people talking about. So it's as, uh, as you say, that, that in itself is a, is a behaviour change um, that, well, it stands to reason. And actually, lots of other added health benefits from that too. So, yeah. It is. And, and with all of these things, you know, not everybody can do it. But if, if you're looking at a population effect, if you can get enough people doing it, you're going to see really significant improvements in your cancer outcomes. But like I say, not everybody can um, take part in exercise. Although having taken part myself in some of the exercise classes that we've run, we did a great partnership with Leeds Rhinos a couple of years ago, did some in there, some other ones at Harrogate District Hospital. You know, when you take part in those classes, A, a they're not as easy as they always look, but the people in there are giving it their all because it's about taking charge of their condition and, and having a role for themselves in what outcome they, they're going to get. And I think that's really, really powerful. Wonderful. Okay, we've touched on it. We've danced around the subject. We've not really talked about the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but, I mean, I, I've, I've seen stuff in, in the media with um, basically people raising awareness around just because we've got COVID doesn't mean that all of these other health issues, and in particular cancer, have, have gone away, sadly. So what kind of challenges has that presented us with? both from a perspective of Yorkshire Cancer Research as the organisation, but I suppose access to services as well. So we, we did what we did, didn't we, in the pandemic? We all did our best. Um, and I think we'll learn a lot of lessons. And perhaps one of the lessons we will learn, should this ever happen again, is that you do not switch off cancer screening programmes. Maybe there's other ways of doing them. So more of at-home testing kits. So we need technology and innovation to support that. But the cancer um, screening programs are now starting to come back online. And of course, you know, there's, there's people who are asymptomatic who are just part of the national screening programs. We want everybody to take part in that because there's a lot of catch up to do. And then there's people who've had symptoms or mild symptoms or sort of symptoms that have come and gone. And it's those people that now need to be encouraged that the NHS is ready for you to go back and start those conversations, whether it's taking part in one of the screening programs 
or hopefully getting an early diagnosis, go to the GP. Getting that message across is tough, is really difficult. People are naturally worried about overburdening the NHS and going into NHS settings where there might be COVID. So it's a big piece of work to get everybody confident to go back. But unfortunately, and, and I say it with a really heavy heart, we've missed quite a few months of screening and I'm not sure that we will catch up quickly. And that means we will miss some opportunities for early diagnosis, which means it's more important than ever that if somebody notices something in themselves, go and seek an opinion from a medically qualified person. So get on the phone, talk to your GP and see, just, just have it looked at because you kind of, you have to do it for yourself at this time whilst the systems are getting back up and running. Okay, I think that's yeah, a very clear message for, for all of us there. So, uh, so Catherine, thank you for, um, for, for sh we've covered quite a lot of areas there, but thank you for sharing with us uh, this afternoon. So for anybody watching or listening to this um, who wants to support can Yorkshire Cancer Research, what, what should they be doing? Well, we have a big donate button on yorkshirecancerresearch.org.uk to do that. Drop us a line. We love to hear people's stories because there's some lovely stories, particularly around the pandemic, you know, when people have supported people who've had to shield and, you know, tell us your stories. If you've got any worries or concerns, we've got some great help on our website and we refer into other websites. But yeah, yorkshirecancerresearch.org.uk. Come and have a look at us. Brilliant. Thank you. Again, to, to reiterate, I mean, you've got a great organisation, great people. Um, everybody's very consistent in what they're saying. And, and, and what you've shared with us today is that, that passion, that belief, that real desire to, to, to want to, to do the best that we can all together um, to, to um, yeah, improve qualities of life, basically, length of life, quality of life. It's inspiring stuff. So I, I commit now to that I'm going to make a donation. So thank you very much. And I hope others do so too. So Catherine Scott, thank you very much for your time. This has been um, John Gilbert in conversation and this has been the Socially Good Podcast. Thank you for listening. 